Welcome to The Essential Rhythm, science-based natural history and human ecology of the North Atlantic seashore. This is episode 44, Hydroids. In episode 43, we introduced the idea of colonial animals, and not like bees or ants that live in hierarchical social colonies. These marine colonial animals are modular, colonies of individual units that remain physically attached and share resources and metabolic responsibilities. These animals can be confusing at first, because the individual units, called zoids, can be differentiated based on the role they play in the colony. Some catch and process food, others focus on reproduction, and others may have a defensive role. These polymorphic colonies are still made up of genetic clones, even if different genes are being expressed in the different forms of the zoids. Today I want to talk about a particular kind of marine colonial organism, the hydroids. These animals are the less well-known class of an otherwise fairly charismatic group of organisms, the cnidarians, which include jellyfish, corals, and anemones. Hydroids are easy to overlook, as they tend to be small, even as colonies, and mostly look like fur or fuzz growing on the surface of rocks or algae. Students in our marine botany class routinely and excitedly collect samples and bring them back to the lab for identification, thinking they found a new kind of algae. Other than students mistaking them for algae, most people don't pay much attention to the hydroids. In fact, no one pays much attention to the hydroids, except nudibranchs. Many nudibranchs specialize in eating hydroids, and they are essentially the only thing that does, because hydroids, like all cnidarians, are equipped with special capsules in many of their cells, called nidae. And these capsules contain spring-loaded projections that inject neurotoxins or otherwise immobilize prey. These capsules line the tentacles of jellyfish and are responsible for the painful stings they can inflict on humans. Nudibranchs are unusual as a group because they have evolved a way to feed on hydroids without firing the nidae. Many nudibranchs can even keep the nidae intact in a practice called kleptonidae, using them for their own defense by concentrating them in their own tentacles, called serrata. The hydroids that are commonly found here, growing on rocks or seaweeds in the intertidal or shallow subtidal, are of two main groups. The wine glass hydroids, named because the individual zoids have an open cup-like shape, and the fern garland hydroids, so named because they look somewhat fern-like in their overall growth. If you look closely, you can see that these two groups are quite different. Fern garland hydroids have compact, tightly packed zoids, one stacking on top of the other in an alternating fashion. The wine glass hydroids are more feathery and tend to flow and move with the currents more readily. The typical life cycle of these hydroids, though there are some exceptions, is to live in a colonial form for the polyp stage. This is the fuzzy fur-like growth you find on seaweed. Then, when they sexually reproduce, however, certain zoids produce and bud off tiny little medusas. Basically tiny little jellyfish that are free-swimming and whose only job is to make either sperm or eggs depending on the biological sex of the colony. Hydroids are usually dioecious, meaning colonies are either male or female. Gametes from the medusa meet up with gametes from a medusa of other colonies, and sexual reproduction occurs. The fertilized hydroid egg transforms into a special kind of larva, called a planula larva, which swims around for a bit before settling onto a substrate, a rock, a dock, or seaweed, and starting a new colony. 
Another commonly seen group, especially in the summer, growing on the submerged parts of docks or floats, are the pink pom-pom hydroids. These are unmistakable. Each zoid consists of a long, skinny Dr. Seuss-like stock, topped with what appears to be a pink pom-pom. The pom-pom is the business end of the zoid, where both the mouth is located, in the middle of the tentacles, and the gonads are found. These hydroids brood their developing eggs in-house, and there is no free-swimming medusa to do the fertilizing. The female zoids collect sperm that has been released by the males, and the eggs developed in these pom-pom-like structures. Once the eggs are fully developed, the larva settles directly and forms a new colony. I encourage you to seek out hydroids the next time you're near the ocean. These underappreciated creatures are responsible for turning zooplankton into nudibranchs and have diverse and complex reproductive strategies that make ours look positively tame. This has been episode 44 of The Essential Rhythm, written and produced by me, Sarah O'Malley. The show is produced on Wabanaki land. The theme music is Lightstream by the artist Siddhartha, used by permission through Creative Commons. Thanks for listening and join us next week. Music